Are you recording on your side? Uh, I am now. Give me one, the, two, yeah. uh, one, two, three. <laughs> Usually count down, but whatever. Everything's all backwards this week. Fuck it. I'm just fucking. I, I'm, I've got an annoying. I bit the inside of my lip really bad, so that's constantly annoying. I hate that shit. Well, I'm uh, in a bit of a surly mood myself right now, so. Oh, we're gonna have a great day. <laughs> For whatever reason, whenever we're fucking irritated with shit, somehow it ends up becoming a better show. I'm just hoping that the show will put me in a better mood. Right? All right. So this is 259 consecutive weeks and the pent ultimate year five episode. Yeah. So fuck. This is the season finale of season five? Yeah. Well, year five and then we're into year six. We don't really do seasons. Seasons imply that we take breaks. That's true. So this is the end of year five. Yeah, coming up on year six because it's every week, one release. Every week. The longest episodic podcast ever. Well, that I don't know about, but the most consecutive weeks, at least on Legion. Yeah. (laughs) I would say. I think so. (laughs) Well, let's uh, stop dilly-dallying and fucking around and let's uh, just fucking get this fucking over with. Jesus fucking Christ. Fuck around with all the whores. I'm sorry, what? Way to bring in the misogyny. Jesus Christ. It's like we're doing Andy Sedaris films. We are doing Andy Sedaris films. Oh, then I guess that works. Yeah, okay. (laughs) The following show will destroy your self-worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so-called entertainment should ever be allowed. Talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcasting. Cinema Psyops. With Court and Matt. to the pent ultimate year five episode which is 259 consecutive weeks of this surly motherfucker sitting here named court also just as every bit as surly as me sitting all the way across the universe in his little bunker realm is matt have we gotten more surly the older we've gotten i mean that's just kind of a typical thing that happens to everyone but i don't think it's necessarily us getting more surly just because we've gotten older. I think the weight of everything going on 
on right now is really starting to get to us. I think so, man. I, I think everything that's happening, even in our little slice of the world here, is just making just life miserable. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally just waiting around for coronavirus disease to be brought home to me because of the social butterfly-like life that my wife lives. We talked about it last week, and I'm li- literally I'm just waiting for it to happen. I'm, I'm I'm just waiting for some special forces group to come over here and trample on our civil liberties. Please, in Omaha, the likelihood of us getting that is pretty goddamn slim. This is red as fuck country. He's yeah, only well, sending that out to the bi-coastal areas where it's within the border patrol areas. And it's not the fucking psycho cast. So you're going to drop that right now. Well, well I mean, I'm just telling you, you talked about the COVID. I can talk about with other shit that happened. Yeah, but we also had a deal about that shit as well. So All if right, you well, want to just start airing grievances, let's talk about how you still not fucking paid me back for that goddamn recorder that you lost. Yeah, I don't know how to get that to you, man. You know, COVID, I can't leave the house. Yeah, you're a fucking bullshit artist and you fucking... Fucking know it. There's fucking PayPal. There's fucking Venmo and all that other shit. You could I don't, I don't, be paying I don't, me back. I'm sorry, man. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what the hell you just said to me. Oh, fuck off. You know what it is? You just want to see how fucking far you can take it because you want to just let it go. Or you just don't want to fucking do it. You just don't fucking feel like it. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about anymore. So I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that you feel this angry. <laughs> That's right. I just gaslit you. How you doing? I'm going to start taking interviews for new fucking co-hosts. How's that feel? <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. I didn't think we were airing grievances about each other. thought it was about the outside world. Not in this little area. Well, let's just air grievances about everything. The fucking world's going to fucking end. We've been doing this every fucking week for the last who knows how many fucking weeks that we've been doing this podcast since year fucking one. Everything, if we're just going to start bitching about everything, then it's just going to turn into this giant bitch fest. And while that's great for a regular podcast, this is a movie review show. So let's back it the fuck up. All right. Well, I like the six foot one woman in the movie, so... That's where you're going to go. You're going to you're going to try and make me happy by talking about Julie Strain. Is it working? Baby. All right. <laughs> so why don't you spend that $60 you owe me and get me some signed stuff from Julie Strain? I'll just send you the $60 and then you can get yourself because it sounds like you already know where to find it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been talking about an elating and talking about how wonderful I find Julie Strain and now you're starting to convert over. But we really need to talk about Miss Strain herself is actually not in good health. Uh, Oh, she's not? No, she she had a fall. I don't know how long ago in her youth that she had a pretty severe head injury that put her in a coma for a while and her mental capacity... I think it's like Alzheimer's or on early onset dementia. I can't remember which one it is, but it's one of the very debilitating brain diseases that she's been dealing with for a long time. She's got a caregiver that's been taking care of her as well and trying to keep her comfortable and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, there's there was a report not too long ago, and I think it actually came out of the Malibu Bay films that they thought she had passed on, and it turned out that that's not the case. Her caretaker had said so. And there hasn't really been any updates since, but we kind of have to talk about it because I can't talk about how much I've enjoyed and loved having her work here, you know, in this series now that she's finally shown up without actually bringing up that she's not doing the best. So, oh, I, well, that's 
too bad, man. That, that, that bums me out. I know. See, well, we were just trying to get into a better mood, and then you have to go bumming everyone out again. Well, it's something that I've been wanting to bring up because we've been, it's like three weeks now. This is the third week that we've had her on the show. No, fourth. You count fit to kill, but I wanted to bring it up and I wanted to mention it because I wanted to just let everybody know if you're really enjoying her work, maybe, you know, pass some of that stuff on and get that to her page. There's a Facebook page that somebody runs or a Facebook uh, account that is for Julie Strain that her caretaker or caregiver runs. And that person, I do believe, whenever she's in better spirits, will read, uh, you know, like get well wishes and things like that posts from folks to her that she actually, you know, can have her spirits lifted. So take some time out of your busy days, find a way to get that information to her and let her know that you've enjoyed her work and that you're hoping she'll pull through and that things will get better for her and that she'll at least be kept comfortable and happy. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully enjoy the the years that are remaining or at least relatively pain-free, you'd hope. <laughs> Who even knows what the fuck that is for Christ's sakes. Yeah, what's, what pain-free is anymore. But Hopefully they, she can, you know, find it. Or years left or any yeah. of this stuff. Everything is so fucking up in the air right now. Everything um, is in flux now. There's quite a few other folks that have dropped in. We've got a whole new cast once again in this fucking movie all yeah. over again. Except for one guy's the same. Well, I mean, there's some same actors, but one guy comes back as the character he was the last time as the agent. Yeah, instead of Chris, he's back to being Bruce, and then the other guy comes no, back. No, no, he's Chris again. Really? So the yeah. other guy's back but from like two movies ago, and no, no, he's the same No, no, last movie he was Chris as well. Yeah, right. No, I'm talking about yeah. the other guy. The, the oh, the other guy, he's Mark now instead of Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Jesus yeah, that Christ. guy's the same guy, but now his name's Mark. And we, we don't really have an Ava Noble and we don't have a Donna Hamilton. What we do have is the lady that was really into Reggie's fucking bald head while she was riding him in Phantasm 2 back with implants and extremely bleached blonde hair as our sort of main good agent lady. Yeah, uh, Samantha. Right, who the actress's name is Samantha Phillips. It took me a long time to realize why I was like, I think I know this actress. What have I seen her from before? And I was trying to figure it out. And then I finally broke down and popped it back up in IMDb. And immediately it took me to a photo of her from a group of folks with Phantasm. And it said that she was in Phantasm 2. And then I realized, holy shit, she was like a dark haired lady with a very uh, athletic, very slim build. And she looks completely different. I think yeah. she got Hollywoodized while out uh... west. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's known to happen. Yeah. They try to make you blonde haired, blue eyed, fucking overly tanned each yeah. kind of lady, which fits for these movies. But it was really kind of a shock to see someone that was so dark haired and, like I said, a very slim athletic build before in Phantasm 2 and then have her be completely transformed and just realize that has to be some plastic surgery. That also has to be a lot of bleach. And holy shit, are those contacts? No, no. Same blue eyes she's always had. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's Hollywood. That's what it does to most young women. It takes them and changes them like that. So, Well, it happens pretty much in any of these kind of entertainment businesses. They feel like that's, I, I'm assuming they feel like that's the only way to get ahead, or that's usually what casting directors are looking for anyway, particularly in this time frame. Yeah. Speaking of other blue-eyed, blonde-haired ladies that creep into the Sedaris films, this is the first appearance of one, Julie K. Smith. 
Okay, and is she Cobra? I believe so, because the other one was Scorpion, and she was the yeah. shorter, dark-haired baby. Yeah. But, well, the hair was shorter and dark. She was the, like, like short-haired brunette, I should say. Yeah. Uh, now, Julie K. Smith is another actress that I caught an interest in due to a lot of appearances she had in some Jim Wynorski films that showed up in Late Night Cable. This is the first time I've seen her actually doing more acting than what she does in the I mean everybody knows if you've seen like Bear Wench Project and the other like Jim Wynorski films that he ended up doing the direct to cable softcore porn flicks I mean it's pretty much like three four lines of dialogue sex scene three four lines of dialogue sex scene where in this film she's got like action that she has to do some martial arts stuff she has to do some dance work that she does and some sex scenes yeah and then yeah some sex scenes yeah (laughs) (laughs) right I mean but that's everyone in these shows has some sex scenes fuck even in this whole series of movies even Pat Morita got a sex scene (laughs) several sex scenes like a whole fucking movie's worth yeah right which I still think may be possibly what it is that he chose to do the role for he got to roll around with a beautiful lady so he's like yeah I'll do this who needs who needs money (laughs) (laughs) I'm still sure they paid him but you know Uh, there's another actress um, I think it is I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head I'll have to look it up during the break so that I can uh, look into it but uh, this was the photo the shorter haired brunette lady is the one that uh, our friend Mr. Jensen seems to have a bit of a thing for because as soon as I posted I was watching this movie he posted a photo of her like almost immediately oh okay yeah then It is Wendy would... Hamilton because that that who played Scorpion. I thought that was her name, but I you know so many characters named Hamilton in this <laughs> yeah. in this series. I, and last week I was calling like uh, Ava Noble. I was calling her Donna Noble because I was saying it was the yeah, same character. The, the, and yeah. I heard you laughing when I was editing, and I'm like, holy shit, Donna Noble, like from Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, from Doctor Who. That's what I thought. The Doctor Donna. Yeah, the the runaway bride, Doctor Donna. Right. But, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I was, you know how we, like, mesh words together or we'll mesh two character names together whenever they're basically the same character? Exactly. And that's what I was trying to do, but then I was like, why the fuck is he laughing every time I say that? And then I thought about it, and I'm like, god damn it, why didn't I get that Doctor Who reference? (laughs) But anyway, so it's Wendy Hamilton is the uh, one that I know for sure that one of our listeners is very excited. Um, And I got to say, the only really reason I know Julie K. Smith is, like I said, later on showed up in... um, the Jim Wynarski flicks, and then I recognize Samantha Phillips from uh, her role in Phantasm 2, and obviously I know Julie Strain and all, but it just so happens that a lot of the actresses that show up in this were like Playmates or, you know, Playboy uh, Bunnies or, you know, like the Playmate of the Year or anything like that, or Penthouse Pet or whatever they ended up calling them way, way back when. And I gotta admit, um, I don't really recognize ladies for that. <laughs> I think a lot of the really? yeah, yeah. The Playboy Playmates. I mean, we're kind of young for that, you know, kind of. Well, it's not so much that we're yeah, the internet came around and what do we care anymore? Well, there was that, and my source, if I'm going to be very honest about this, my source of looking at naked ladies was always movies anyway, so unless I recognize them from acting in various other films and I hadn't seen them in other films, then I don't recognize them, which is evident right here, right away, because all my references to the actresses that are in this film have nothing to do with whether or not they were in Penthouse or uh, Playboy. It's whether or not they were in films, you know? Yeah. So, So, like... 
I guess you can kind of see other folks' sources whenever they recognize some of these. And so, like, if I'm remiss in mentioning a playmate that you may have a thing for or have had a thing for that you loved seeing in the magazine or a penthouse pet or, or whatever, the reason that I don't catch that is not necessarily that I wouldn't enjoy seeing that magazine and those wonderful photos of that said model that you're into. It's just so happened that that's not how I was exposed to it. And that's not how I know a lot of them. It's more or less like, oh, that actress started off in Playboy? Really? Like, that's where I'm coming from with this perspective. Yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> I felt but, like, hey. you know, how for now that we have like two left after this one, that was something that I should probably discuss with folks. Yeah. We've gotten I mean, some if- feedback in the group where people are like, hey, don't you recognize this woman? I'm like, no. <laughs> Come on. We thought you were a big pervert, Court. What the fuck? <laughs> I am. I just prefer them in motion as opposed to standing still in a magazine. Yep, yep, yep. I, I get I, I get what you mean. You know, yeah, it's it helped the imagination along a little bit. You know, well, <laughs> get some of them flip book things going. <laughs> that would be interesting pornography. I'm sure it exists. In Maybe. and out, in and out, in and out. <laughs> Not the stuff that you draw yourself on your fucking notebook or your school book, though. No, no, that was weird shit. <laughs> That was usually uh, Godzilla eating a person. Yeah, now you really are trying to pander to me because you know I'm going to fire you. Well, no, not Godzilla. It was always like a T-Rex. I, I, <laughs> I, I just said Godzilla, but it was always like a T-Rex eating a person's head. That's <laughs> what usually I flip book through. <laughs> well, while Matt takes a little bit of time to draw yet another flip book, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We'll have a little bit of music that is more of that retro synthwave stuff that I've been really hooked on and is also royalty free. And when we come back, <laughs> we will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon.
guess that's supposed to be a more chill sort of retro cyberwave. A lot of time, whenever I hear that kind of synth cyberwave, that kind of stuff, I always think of like I think it's Return of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. That's the kind of music playing when they're all rising from the graves. Yeah, they cut a lot of corners in Return of the Living Dead 2 to try and make it a more successful sequel. They relied a lot on stuff that I didn't like. A lot like what's going on in this trailer. This project has worldwide ramifications. It will affect the very existence of our planet. Three scientists were killed in the past 12 hours. That leaves only one man. You, Mr. Morales, must be protected. In an adventure that spans the globe, agents Chris Cannon and Mark Austin have three days to stop a band of assassins and make the Dallas connection. The Dallas connection, where beauty meets brawn. And brawn meets brains. The right cross is something you're born with, not like that kung fu crap. Don't miss the Dallas Connection. Starring Bruce Penhaw, Mark Barrier, Pet House Pets Julie Smith, Sam Phillips, Pet of the Year Julie Strain, and Playboy Playmates Wendy Hamilton and Kim Mallon. See, like, that would definitely be the thing that would help sell the film in the early 90s whenever those magazines were basically VB's knees for getting your hands on porn and looking at hot naked ladies. But nowadays, like several years later, when that wasn't the sort of thing that you paid attention to, you're like, hey, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And then more importantly, this is kind of the beginning where the guys are kind of the main characters. Like well, the, the two guys, the partners, they're kind of more the main characters. Before it was like Donna and whoever her partner was at the time. Either Taryn and her copious amounts of war, cro- profiteering and war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Or the character of Nicole with uh, yeah. Miss Vasquez playing her. And her very serious adherence to the rules and her need to be very much about law and order because of what she gave up to be in the witness protection program and then we sort of had another where they tried again with last week's movie with the enemy gold where they were trying to do a thing with the main actress who was worked with this chris character back in the day and they were going to get together and they kind of hinted at it but then didn't really seem like she liked working in the movie because she didn't show up in this one or maybe it just didn't work out yeah they tried to make her like the more main character in that one as well so this is like the first one where they the guys became the main characters, and unfortunately, it seems like this is the last in this realm of Sedaris films. So, the last one, they just were like, fuck it, all right, you two guys, you're it. Perhaps with this one, but we still have two more next week. Oh, that's true. There is two more, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about this flick, before we actually fully-fledged dive in as well, is this one takes a little bit of a different turn story-wise, which we'll, we'll I'll talk about more, but I just want to kind of put the thought out there before we dig into the review. Now, the change that you were talking about where they're following the guys more, I disagree with that to a certain extent, but I will say that when it comes to following the good folks or the, the people who are the good agents, oh. that, that story revolves around 
around them more. But what I'm going to say is this story actually revolves more around the villains and them getting one up on everybody for quite a while. And the guys that are and gals that are the hero side of things, they're not doing too good and they're getting fucking overrun. And then will they be able to pull it out in time? Which is a very interesting plot line that they haven't done before. The lethal agents have always been two to three steps ahead. And in the bulk of this film, you're thinking, holy shit, they're getting the better of them. Much like we saw when a bunch of them were getting executed in Picasso Trigger. So this became a little bit more interesting of a watch for me. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at. It's an overarching story that I feel that this this movie tried to take that I'd like to kind of just bring out here and then we can get into it now. Yeah, no, uh, you're you're exactly right. I was mainly talking about the good guy team. But yeah, this movie is, and also you see a lot more good guys die in this one than the last one, or than any of the other ones. Which was a bonus for me as well, so yeah, <laughs> that took yeah. my enjoyment factor up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, you, you like a good villain story, that's for sure. Um, all right, but we start with the Dallas connection. So we start kind of there's some opening credits and some dudes being strapped down. And then um, we find out this guy's a scientist and the crazy lady, our court's uh, favorite lady in the world, uh, she pretty much bangs him senseless. So, um, you know, good good for him. I would like uh, to refer to this as some light bondage, what they're engaging that is, in. That, that would definitely be light bondage. And it's it seems to be her calling card, as we'll see later. Um, but yeah, is this the, is this the one that starts off with the chain bra yeah. outfit? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's in the whole, the whole okay. gear. Okay. I got to talk about that outfit. Cause that's the more important thing in this scene to uh, me than anything uh, else. You, you go ahead. Uh, so I don't know what to refer to the, the, it's sort of like a bra, but it's like this chain. And, and she wears it almost throughout the entire movie. Right. But it goes across her chest and the chains basically droop in such a way that her breasts are still exposed, but the chains are like accented around them, almost like it was fitted to specifically wrap around her breasts and have them kind of hang out through them, but not be supported by the chains or anything like that or infringed upon or hurt. And it's- Hey, it, those things don't need any support, man. They're just up and about. Right. But I, what I'm getting at is like the way that the chains are, are wrapped around her body, it looks to me like somebody built that specifically for her that that was fitted for her that could be too and then i'm curious is this the sort of thing that julie strain was into in her personal life and then all that sort of stuff started going through my head and then immediately i couldn't think of anything else but holy shit look at that g-string because it was like chains and a g-string that was like not even really a string it was they joke about floss or like dental floss g-strings and that was exactly what this was this was a string that the only reason you would have seen it is that it was black. Like the, the color was, of the material was black and that's it. It was um it was very fetching. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely got my attention and then her doing this light bondage with the guy, which it was more or less he was tied up and they were doing sexual things and she was doing the like teasy dances a, and stuff. It was a pretty intense sex scene too. More than what we usually get in a Sedaris film. My favorite part was when she was standing behind him and dropped her tits onto his face from above him and yeah. like leaned down across him because she was so tall. She was able to do that across this very high back, like, you know, chair that he was sitting on and everything. And it was no big deal to her at all. And I just saw the chains hitting the guy's face and I'm like, man, holy shit. And then boom, like she's actually rubbing her tits on him. And at one point in time, I thought I saw a mouth go around a nipple and I'm like, how the fuck did this get an R rating? <laughs> Right? You're like, like I said, this is, um, this really is something else. 
Uh, this is a, a, a bit more hardcore than we're used to. This is pretty much your late night cable softcore pornography where they get everything but full on penetration and they can get away with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're you're very much right there, including the music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so anyway, then um, another dude shows up stating that he's there to pick up this young lady. We cut back to the room, and right after she cuts him loose, she shoots and kills him. Um, so boom, there you go. He's dead. Uh, they did have a discussion. I'm sorry, I think I skipped over it. Where she does talk about how he's such a great scientist. And all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there you go. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, she calls him like the perfect package where she talks. Yeah. She starts talking about how he's got this amazing body and a beautiful brain and all this kind yeah. of stuff. And it's it's basically like after play talk to placate his ego. And at least he went out with a bang and then also feeling really good about himself before she shot him between the eyes. Looks like he got off before he got off. Um, <laughs> it's from Basic Instinct. That's a, that's a that's a good that's a good one. I was uh, expecting you to take your sunglasses off like David Caruso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then so um uh so then uh, as the butler that the other guy downstairs is talking to hears this gunshot and he goes to run and the other guy kills him. Uh she w- they get into a car to leave and we see she was wearing fake fingerprints and they're going to get ready to get on a plane and her name is Black Widow and they are going to be flying off to Dallas. They also you know, talk about whenever the guy comes to pick her up, they talk a little bit about how her name is a perfect name for her as a uh, a hit person because she does like to mate with whoever it is that she's going to take out. Yeah. Yeah. She, she definitely mixes her uh, business and pleasure. That's that's for certain. And the guy even says he's glad he hasn't slept with her. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure you would be okay with dying just to have some of that. Well, I think she so much as even says it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then, um, so, uh, then we cut to a ranch and we see we are in South Africa. A guy is leaving for a science conference in Dallas. As he leaves, a man tells him to have a safe trip, and we see a big-breasted blonde who's the codename Cobra. She uses a remote-control car, so look, that aspect of the movie is back. And they even, uh, and she uses a remote-control car, it flies up, it kills him, and let me go back again, I'm so sorry. When the guy goes into the bedroom of the French scientist, he films uh, the dead body. And then the guy blows up. And so now back to South Africa, the guy in the car, the remote control car blows him up, killing him. We see the ranch hand who had wished him luck. He goes and he picks up the tape uh, where they were also filming this murder. We got to talk about those recorders because I know a lot of people are going to think, hey, wait a minute. That's a micro cassette. How do they get video and audio on a micro cassette? Those they things don't. actually kind of existed now that I want to I want to really? bring that up. They were not good quality, but they were like these little micro video cassette recorder things that actually did that where they would shoot very low res, very shit video. And and one track of audio, but those things existed. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. That's amazing that something like that, that small existed. Well, I th- I remember like a kid's toy or something along the lines of a kid's toy from this era that did something very similar to that where it did video and audio. It was like... Um, you know, the, the Talkman or whatever, where you'd record your voice and manipulate it like they had in Home Alone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was, yeah. 
Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so that company or that toy manufacturer made one that did video as well, and it was like supposed to be like for spying purposes or something like that, where it was like your own little spy or, or whatever. I remember something like that existed, and it recorded to one of those micro cassettes like that. Well, wow. yeah, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, and I don't remember that, but. I wouldn't doubt you not being right on that. Well, this um, is also, I'm going by my memory from my childhood of, like, I'm pretty sure something like that existed. I think I know somebody that had one of those. So I'm probably wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that existed. And the technology, you could do that. Because, I mean, if it was like a little cassette recorder where one side it would record the video and the other side it would record the audio like you would for, like, you know, either side of the tape, I'm pretty sure that they'd be able to do that. So I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a thing. I'm sure it exists. Yeah. I just, I'm not 100% positive. I didn't take the time to research because I forgot it until we brought it up now. <laughs> well, anyway, we cut to Hong Kong and we see a lady who's getting ready to golf in a bikini top. They would not let her on a private course wearing that. I don't care how they look. That, so anyway. That is Miss Hamilton that Mr. Jensen yeah. is absolutely obsessed with. And we got to back up because we we kind of talked over and we didn't mention it. The very um, heavily frontly endowed actress, Julie K. Smith, that we were yes. mentioning before. That is oh, Julie K. Smith. Uh, I also have an unholy fascination with Julie K. Smith, and I can't get her out of my head. So any other movies that she pops up in from this point forward in the Sedaris flicks, I'm going to be very happy about as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, there's two guys golfing behind her. They're also both scientists. Um, uh, and then after some really shit golfing in which it looks like they're golfing good, um, the guy who's playing the scientist, believe it or not, doesn't have too bad of a golf swing. The rest of them, the other two, are horrendous, and the ball would never go anywhere, really. Uh, but anyway, so... This coming acts- from the guy that's complaining about how the lady could not be running around in the top that she was wearing on a golf she, course. She couldn't. She couldn't. That, that, there's no way a private club would allow that to happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe her daddy donated a bunch of money and she gets an exception. Well, okay, that would that might work. Also, I mean, she's quite attractive, so that may you know the people have been known to look the other way for less. You know what I mean? Maybe she started the golf course in whatever attire, and then as she got through some of the holes to where she's supposed to be doing this or running into yeah, the you scientist. Think allow that in Hong Kong, though. Uh, yeah. Really, in Hong Kong. <laughs> Yeah, they ran around lawless for a long time in Hong Kong for years. I, I suppose that's kind of true, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the dude, um, the main scientist guy, he shoots his ball into the woods, and she actually replaces the ball with another one. Uh, as he golfs, he blows it up, he blows up, and after he does, the guy who he was golfing with films it. We find out her name is Scorpion, and she is also heading back to Dallas. So we cut to Washington, D.C., and we see one of the lead agent guys sitting there, and he wants an agent Samantha Max on the line pronto. He gets in touch with Samantha as she's working out, and when they agreed to meet on a plane, she gets up and takes off her top to uh, clean up after working out. So there you go. There's, there's that for you. And um, uh, so then we cut to them on the plane, and that ends up being our first clip. What are we watching? It's all part of the scenario, Agent Max. The code name for this project is the Dallas Connection. Four of the world's most accomplished scientists had equal portions of an equation. That equation has been divided into four specialized computer chips. Yesterday, these chips were delivered to our main computer center at IWAR in Dallas, Texas. 
IWAR is an anagram for the International World Arms Removal. This launcher watching on the monitor will put a satellite into permanent orbit with new atomic age technology. It's called the Lacrosse satellite. What's the connection? The Lacrosse satellite utilizes a new technology called synthetic aperture radar, a system so sensitive it can record hundreds of detailed images every day through the densest cloud cover, foliage, or even complete darkness. It's so sensitive it can even penetrate dirt or sand to reveal features buried beneath the Earth's surface, such as missile silo doors or fortifications containing tanks, missile carriers, and even caches of arms and ammunition. A powerful meteor shower is due in three days. This meteor shower will enhance the energy in the system to its most powerful potential. If everything falls into place, we'll be able to pinpoint the weapons controlled by terrorists, drug lords, and mercenaries. You name it. I can see the importance of the I-War timing. If we miss this meteor shower, there won't be another one of this magnitude for 130 years. So what's the problem? Three of the four scientists were murdered within the last 12 hours. The Frenchman was shot in the head. The South African was blown up in his car. And the Chinese scientist was exploded to bits on a golf course in Hong Kong. This leaves only one man, the scientist from South America, a man named Antonio Morales. He left from Buenos Aires on a commercial flight five hours ago. He should arrive in Dallas shortly after we do. Call your agents in Dallas, Chris Cannon and Mark Austin. Have them meet us at the arrival terminal. We'll meet Mr. Morales' plane and escort him to our office. All right, so then they make the calls to the other agents. We see Chris Canyon, who's our kind of our return guy for all the movies. He gets the call while racing a old style type cars. Um, Mark Austin, he gets the call while doing some jet skiing. So we see they all have their own varying interests. So as they are getting ready to meet and getting ready, uh, Chris and Mark are talking and Mark says he knows Samantha and it seems to be somewhat in the biblical sense. So, uh, but it also might not be a happy reunion. Uh, the bad guys then, they all meet at a strip club called Cowboys. The Black Widow, uh, loves the job the girls did, and they all kind of maybe earn some bonuses. So, good for them. That's the same strip club that has been in the last couple of movies that has been the base of operations for the bad guys. It was the same for Enemy Gold as it is here. Yeah. Makes me wonder if somebody in the Sedaris family owned steak in that particular restaurant of some sort. And, and that's why they keep using it? Yeah, I mean, whoever owned that place, apparently Dallas was getting ready to play uh, the New Orleans Saints. Because <laughs> both their football, uh, play- two football players were painted in those exact uniforms saying, let's get ready for the season. So football season must have been around the corner. Well, um, this this uh, club was also, if you remember, there was one of the ED performances where she was like doing this line dancing thing. It's the same yeah. stage and the same setup, so. I'm pretty sure one of them owned it. And now that we're talking about it, I think Andy Sedaris himself was born in Louisiana, which would make him a Saints fan. And I think they did live in Texas, which would make him a Cowboys fan, I'd assume. So that would make sense if they did happen to own this particular location, which it's a restaurant and a club. And part of that club apparently is for these types of performances. There's been line dancing and country music all the way through it. So I'm pretty sure they must have owned that or somebody that they knew owned it that also was like a family member or maybe a lifelong friend somehow. 
you know? somehow. I mean, to be able to use it that much. Well, and all the know. all the coincidences and lines that I've just drawn from Sedaris's life makes me feel even more so that somebody somewhere that they were yeah. very very close with owned. This. You know what? More than that, and maybe it was someone they're just friendly with who was like, "I love that my bar's in a movie." <laughs> Even even these type of movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's also like, I mean, how often would a Saints and a Cowboys stuff be in the same? Yeah, that wouldn't actually, because they're not even in the same division. One's in the South, one's in the Well, back then, it would have been one was in the East and one was in the West. I think. Right. Um, but if you were from both areas, like if you were born in one and raised there for a little while and then moved to the other, um, and I know Sedaris had something to do with NFL football as well before he started making movies, and I think that has to do with the Cowboys as well, so yeah, that's why I'm really I, thinking that maybe he possibly even owned the restaurant. That's, yeah, that could be a, a strong possibility there. Um, so then, um, the ladies, then they all hop in the showers, so... I mean, that's good for us. So thank you, movie. It's and, a weird um, jump back and forth and cuts where they are trying to make almost movie like is very cutty. Yeah, but the jumps back and forth, like they're showing one actress's body as she's soaping up and then they cut as the soap is going down. And then you realize it's on the other actress because the body shape and type has changed slightly. But they seem to be doing this specifically on the soap moving on the hips up into the upper flank of their right right sides because they're both facing the same direction and like whenever they do that cut at first you're just kind of like because i mean they're both relatively svelte and, and quite um fit in the stomach and hip area so there's not really much of a distinguish between the two actresses there it's not until like the soap comes up and then that you see their breast that you're like oh wait that's the other actress and they do that like two or three times with these cuts where it's really kind of disorienting and confusing and if it weren't for like total nudity and boobage i'd be like this is really bad put together uh, i mean all kind of is really but badly put together. well no it is it's totally horribly put together for this editing but the fact that both of these actresses are these knockouts gorgeous ladies and are completely naked covered in soapy water kind of covers that up yes so anyway um widow then has a job for cobra and the dude whose name is i know it's a longer name but they all just call him puss so and they decide they are to head to the airport the good guy team gets to the airport and they pick up the South American scientist Morales. They, as they are getting ready to go to the cars, they are shot at by the two bad guys, but no one is hurt. Um, we then cut to a good guy board meeting, and that is our next clip. Obviously, as we discussed, we have a serious security leak. You, Mr. Morales, must be protected. If you agree to cooperate, the plan is to tread a fine line between protecting your safety and trying to lure the assassins into revealing themselves. I am committed to this project. Please find the assassins. I am willing to do anything it takes. Fortunately, we have the four computer chips you and your colleagues sent to us last week. These chips will be entered into the master IWAR computer in three days. However, we'll need you, Mr. Morales, to supervise this procedure. It is imperative that we protect you. You have your man, Ron, I realize, but I'm assigning Tom and Samantha to alternate staying close to you at all times. They'll have their special radios with them. They can contact each other or our office if anything suspicious should arise. Just go about your business as usual, Mr. Morales, but please try to keep a fairly low profile. Now. Would you and Ron wait outside for a minute? I have a few things I want to discuss with my agents. 
Tom will join you shortly. What I'm going to do is unusual as hell. I'm giving each of you a chip to carry with you. With these small gold chains, you can hang them on your neck so they're close to you at all times. Tom, yours is from South Africa. Samantha, yours is from France. Mark, yours is from China. And Chris, yours is from Argentina, from our friend Antonio out there. Also, Tom and Samantha, your radios have both homing devices and sensitive tape recorders built in them. Record your actions wherever you go. We'll need a record of all Mr. Morales' movements. He's important. Don't let anything happen to him. All of you stay in touch. I'll be here in the IOR office until the Dallas connection is made. If all goes well, the computer chips will be entered into the master computer on Friday, and hopefully, Mr. Morales will be able to initiate the procedure to activate the lacrosse satellite. Tom, you go with Morales. The rest of you, dismiss. And we should take note here that um, while they were going through all these plans, uh, Morales' guy, his kind of his, his dude, his protector, bugged the room. So that's not good. Well, and this um, Morales character was the Ortega guy or whatever his name was last week, which I was lamenting about how I had a hard time understanding him. It turns yeah. out it's not his accent. It's the way that he speaks. Um, he kind of swallows a lot of consonants while he's talking more uh-huh. so than just his accent. Like he just the way that he, he talks is different um, because he was doing that in the last movie. He doesn't do it as much in this. And I had no problem really understanding his character in this. It was some kind of weird way that he was talking talking in the last movie that made it hard to hear him or understand him and there's a couple sections too where the audio is bad in this movie but the audio was just really bad last week Um, yeah and we we see that actually here where it's like did you not capture the right audio live there what what the why does this sound like this (laughs) yeah right i was i i mean it was it was just really bad audio there, there was a couple um, it, of spots in this scene where it sounded like a secondary mic was picking up some of the dialogue and it was really hard to tell yeah. <laughs> some of the things. It's like right before you grabbed your clip in the meeting. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, when they, uh, right before this clip in the meeting, uh, Chris and Mark talked to a receptionist and it got like, it almost blew my eardrums out loud when yeah. they said hi to her. Yeah, it was so, super yeah, fucking distorted. It was all over the place. Like they weren't capturing yeah. it right at all. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything of us. It was something they were doing. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So the bad guys get back Cobra and Puss and they report in with Widow. Uh, they apologize for failing that they didn't come anywhere near to hitting them, but she says it's okay. She has other plans for Morales. So, uh, uh uh-oh. Uh, so anyway, then we cut to Mark and Samantha with each other, and Mark tries to put the moves on her, but she says she needs to be seduced and wanted to dine, and he can't just, you know, pick up like nothing ever happened. So he looked at her and he said that he would uh, suck the polish off her toes, which apparently did it and they boned. All right. So this is Samantha Phillips that we were talking about. Um, This actress that's in there playing the character of Samantha and the actor is he's the same guy from last week, too. He's playing another character again, though. Right. Um, Not not the guy who's Bruce Chris, but his like partner that's always showing up. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And you're right. Okay, so they're about to get it on and they're about to, to do this. But he basically tries to come on strong. And then she says that that line, 
And the delivery that Samantha Phillips does in that reminds me of Linnea Quigley in uh, Return of the Living Dead when she's like that drugged out sort of really wants to die heroin addict type uh, character <laughs> named Trash yeah. Strips. Like the way that Linnea Quigley delivers her lines like that. But this actress is supposed to be like throwing some emotion and some feeling behind it. And it just seems like it's not there. And then that's when I'm like, okay, who the fuck is this? Like, it's this point when I realized that that's the lady from Phantasm 2. And also, can I ask real quick? Yeah. What is with Andy Sedaris and blondes with raspy voices? I don't know if it's necessarily Andy Sedaris. I just believe that in that time frame, because Kathleen Turner had a really good run up to this point of playing a lot of like very sexually charged uh, characters. And she had a very husky, very raspy voice that works for a lot of us. So, yeah, I'm not saying anything. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Also, smoking was way more popular. Yeah, I think so I, was, I think smoking may have more to do with it for some of these ladies as well. Uh, yeah. So in the sex scene that you're about to describe, there's a moment where uh, Samantha's character basically gets on top and starts getting in control. And when she's doing some moves that she, you know, is getting off with the guy. There's a couple of moments where she flips her hair around and is rocking around. And I swear that's when I'm like, no, that can't be her. And that's when I finally like gave in and looked up. And that's when I, I confirmed it. I'm like, holy shit, that is the lady from Phantasm 2 that played Alchemy. Because she literally like in, her, in the scene that she has sex with Reggie in Phantasm 2, she has his face shoved into her chest and she's screaming phrases like, oh, God, Reggie, I love your bald head. I love your head or something like that. And right. then she shoves him down to the bed and does this maneuver where she screams woohoo woohoo and she's like throwing her arm up in the air like she's right um cowboy kind of thing spinning her arm around like she has a lasso and she does <laughs> something very similar to that in this movie and i was like Maybe no that's a move she has right and then i'm like no 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 you know what i mean like my i had that flashback because i watched phantasm to a shitload well all the phantasms yeah. i've watched them a shitload but uh so i go and i look her up and then i'm like holy shit that is her and then i'm like looking at her compared to how i remember her from phantasm and that's when i'm like holy hell you've had a lot of work done <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I kind of like this scene for, um, there was a little comedy to it when they're stripping their clothes off. Well, yeah. Like almost like a Looney Tune thing from behind the couch. You just see legs and arms kicking around. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of somebody who was really into Russ Meyer movies and tried to emulate that sort of fun cartoony way that Russ Meyer would film his sex scenes uh-huh. and just kind of hit the mark, but just barely. Yeah, just barely. Because like after the the that fun little part, then it goes to the traditional way they had been doing things. So right, and it's uh, during but, the tradition. It's during the joking around stuff that she's riding him that I got that inclination because I think she shoves the guy down in the same manner or something like that. It was locked in my sense memory of watching <laughs> Phantasm <laughs> Two. Um. Anyway, so they they have themselves a good time. Uh, we cut to the Cowboys bar. It is rocking. Uh, everyone's there. Um, we see Morales even shows up, as well as the kind of bigger buff agent. I believe his name was Tom. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Um, so uh, then all the bad girls kind of get introduced. Uh, you know, uh, Cobra, Black Widow, Scorpion. And then he goes, and then two local yahoos, which I'm like, ouch, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> is this when they're actually doing their dance um, yes. up on stage? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because then the girls 
all dance and start getting topless. So there you go. There were some moments there when you could tell that the three women that were the main actresses playing the bad characters or the villain hit women uh, were yeah. sort of like trying to compete to out-sexualize their dance the other person before they take off their tops. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was really interesting because like Julie Strain would do a maneuver and then Julie K. Smith, the, the lady with the shorter blonde hair, uh, would then do something and she would, they were all like dancing in like these, uh, like chaps with like thongs and Julie Strain did this thing where she like did like a drop lock and pop real quick with her ass to the audience and then Julie K. Smith comes in and does like this serious ass wiggle drop lock and pop maneuver where she like slowly comes back up and like really is shaking her ass I was like holy fuck and then, they were really kind of competing there with one another. Right. And then like the other lady, <laughs> Wendy Hamilton lady, like looks at the other two of them doing their thing. And then she does something that like, I can't even really describe, but I'm like, I don't know if you win, but I'm, yeah. I'm I appreciate the effort either way. I mean, you, you, you definitely gave it your best. Right. And that's all anybody can ask. Right. And then Julie Strain's like, I'll oh, fuck you. I'm six foot one and worth the climb. So she just starts, you know, doing a little gyration and a dance. And then Julie K. Smith goes back into like turning around and shaking her ass at the audience again and then so does the other lady and then in the meantime julie strain's like i already won this competition but they're all yeah. doing this like competing thing where they're trying to get your attention and i totally didn't get any of the dialogue that was happening during this it was just yeah it was just puss saying a whole bunch of shit you know just talking <laughs> shit constantly and not even it, it, none, none of it was permanent to the movie uh, <laughs> there was no pertinent story stuff they knew everyone was going to be distracted by the dance exactly and it was really just puss doing wordplay on their names that was that was really it so if you ever really wanted to know that's it uh, <laughs> i suppose i could go back and shut my eyes and listen to the dialogue but i don't think it would be worth it no why would you do don't you're talking crazy court just crazy <laughs> don't <laughs> Right, this Don't do that to yourself. That's that's crazy. You're being crazy, Court. <laughs> but I'm glad you were kind of cognizant or thinking that the actresses were having a competition on who could out-sexy yeah. the other with their dance. <laughs> that's kind of what I was getting the idea of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so I'm not the only one that saw that, at least. That's good. No, no, not even a little bit. I, I Yeah, I think anybody should be able to see that. Um, they all won, the, by the way. Then they, I feel, yeah, they feel bad for the two who were supposed to be the local Yahoo girls. That uh, they they got uh, they they really got the short end of the stick there. <laughs> They're just called the two local Yahoos or Floozies or something by Puss, and you're just like, damn, that's some cold blooded shit right there, Puss. <laughs> well, the other three are like cold blooded killers, and you better recognize. Yeah, right. Um. So anyway, um. The night ends, and they get Morales to the hotel room, to his back to his hotel safely. Um, the next day, it is Samantha's turn to watch Morales, and he instead takes her to a horse racing. Um, then we cut to the bad ladies are discussing the next part of their mission, and then we cut to um, the races again, and apparently all their their horses are winning, so they're very happy. So Nick is racing his car again, and he gets a visit from Cobra, and her car conveniently breaks down. So they decide he they will go back to his place for some drinks. Did you notice she pulls a fuse out of the car? 
Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's got to make it look like, you know, why her car won't start. Right. I was just wondering uh, why you didn't say that she sabotages her car so oh, it won't start. I, I, I thought, I, you know, the conveniently part, I I tried to put an inflection on there. Oh, well, uh, I'm just going to come right out and state it. She sabotages her car so that she can get a ride back to wherever this guy's going. Yes. Um, then, uh, Scorpion visits Mark. Uh, he asks if she'll watch his, uh, his, uh, his jet ski while he takes his trailer up. Now, here's my problem with that. You already know you're kind of a secret agent person. Would you trust any, and you already know you kind of have all these chips going on. All that you're in the middle of an important mission. Are you really going to trust somebody else who just conveniently shows up, who wears a bikini and also thigh-high boots to the beach to to watch your car? Am I the misogynistic asshole like this character is? Um, I guess. Then yes, because I'm not going to perceive a woman as possibly deadly or a threat, regardless of the fact that I've been trained alongside of some of the most deadly, threatening women in my agency. Because Well, that guy sucks at his job. Though. Right. Well, he's a terrible fucking agent, and he's a bad human being who didn't see the fact that because she's female doesn't mean that she's not deadly and a threat. Yes, you're right. Now, if you're asking uh, me personally... Yeah, what about you? Me personally, I'm going to ask her if she would like to take a ride with me on my jet ski. <laughs> okay. God damn it, Court. You're not doing it any better. <laughs> yeah, but if she's on my jet ski with me, then I have, well, I'm still hitting on her, but I'm not going to just trust anybody to watch anything. <laughs> Other than my own wife. <laughs> You're trying to get out of this now. <laughs> no, I'm going to ask her. To, I'm going to. I would have still done the same dumb thing, but like I would have been more cautious about it whenever I ask her to take a ride on the jet ski kind of thing. You know what I yes. mean? Like, yeah, I, this guy just flat out is like, huh, random weird hookup while I'm entrusted with some kind of sacred material. Will you please watch my set jet ski while I put away my trailer? Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, as he removes his trailer and he's gone, she puts a device on his jet jet ski so uh as he's out there riding his jet ski this device makes the jet ski break down and she's on a boat and she tows him back i thought she just dumped a can of fucking soda in his gas tank that could have been what she did see i i couldn't quite see what she was doing she tampers I with it i'm pretty sure she opens I, she opens the first, gas tank and dumps a fucking thing of cola in there and i may have been writing something down because i thought she stuck something to there. i thought it was like a bomb and then when it broke down i just thought it was oh she probably maybe had like some electrical device that you know fried everything right i'm pretty sure it was supposed to be she dumped like quote-unquote sugar in his gas tank with a soda okay but All right, that, so she, that wouldn't work. That's that's not how that works. Okay. Well, anyway, she caused him to break down. Right. Uh, then we cut to Sam and Morales are having dinner, and they're kind of making, well, he's making flirty talk, and she's being professional. Um, then we cut to uh, Cobra and Chris kind of, you know, they're flirting in the hot tub. Uh, then we come back to Sam and Morales' dinner, and Morales has a fantasy about Sam. And uh, so... Uh, uh, about her like dancing around and being nude and everything. This so. performance that she does here where she's in that lingerie outfit that they put her in and doing yeah. these like um, seducing, enticing maneuvers. This was actually quite erotic and it did remind me of some of those like various uh, late night cable videos where it would just be like, this is your playmate and this is what she does kind of Playboy Channel thing. Now, I know I didn't read Playboy magazine, but Playboy Channel was something that I did have access to on occasion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as a young lad. So like this would be the sort of thing where like they would have the playmates doing their thing in the waterfall to the music and then they strip nude and, you know, they're doing a little dance and it's supposed to be seductive to you and it's just them performing for a camera. 
There was a ton yeah. of these kind of like VHS tape things that they released to these sort of things too. And they ended up on these kind of channels in late night. And that's what it reminded me of. And it makes me wonder if maybe like Drew Sedaris was shooting this shit in his spare time because this sequence was actually really well made. Oh, could be. I mean, uh, it, it was really nice. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a nice little thing to, uh, uh, you know, it was a nice little dance number, uh, uh, also, for lack of a better term. I also want to point out, uh, Samantha Phillips is acting whenever she's acting against this guy who's trying to be all debonair and suave and like seductive while he's basically being guarded by her. The way that she's being professional and shutting down his advances, but at the same time still like coy and acting like she's sort of into it, but like trying to be professional about it still was, yeah. was really well done. I think this is probably some of the best acting she does in the movie opposite of this guy yeah that's true uh you're you're not wrong so um uh but yeah i i thought that was a uh uh for lack of a better word a tasteful little scene uh <laughs> yeah it was nicely done uh they did yeah. the right gauze filming and all that kind of stuff and like i said it was the best filmmaking um not necessarily of the film but like this sequence is definitely a higher caliber of filmmaking than what we've seen in other parts of the movie yeah uh you are uh not wrong so then we cut to Scorpion and Mark, and they're getting to know each other over a couple of glass of wine while kind of picnicking. Uh, then we see Chris and Cobra hook up in the hot tub. Uh, after they get done hooking up, uh, she drops something in his drink, and as he drinks it, he passes out, and she takes the chip from his medallion and replaces it with a fake. Julie K. Smith doing sex scenes is something to behold. It's something else, isn't it? Yeah. This actress really makes me think that she is doing what they're showing on screen. Like, she really sells it. And during that sex scene, I'm like, is she actually fucking that guy? And I'm thinking back to all the other times I've seen Julie K. Smith in film where she's pretending to be having sex. And my brain also went, wait, is she really fucking that guy or that yeah. girl, depending upon yeah. what scene it is? And so in my brain, I'm tricked. So therefore, she must be doing a good job. She's really selling it. Uh, the other actresses, I have to admit, whenever they actually do are doing their sex scenes as well, also really sell it, which is once again, back to the real reason this film got made. <laughs> the sex scenes. Yes, of course. So then we cut back to Scorpion and she puts the moves on Mark and he stops it saying he's kind of involved with someone. Uh, so then she just takes off her top to persist and uses a stuns gun to knock him out. And then she also swaps the chips. Mark's not a very good agent. <laughs> uh, not that I'm going to defend Mark, but uh, with her tits out and in his face, he was quite distracted. He, he's only a human. What can he do? Right. I've been in a situation relatively similar to what Mark is in right now, minus the whole international spy intrigue. And then shockingly, the stun gun didn't become a factor. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but a very similar situation when, you know, things are starting to get into an area where you're like, new. No, I got to stop. I got somebody. I got a girlfriend. This is, you know, I'm in a relationship. Uh, you, you need to no, don't don't make that move. And then boobs came out. Boobs get shoved in your face and your brain for a second shuts off. Granted, I was a much younger man than I am now. I mean, even I've been happened. in that situation, right. and again, also a younger man. I mean, I right. well before I was in a very, I was not in a what you would call a serious relationship, but I was in 
one at right. the time. Right. So, but when you're in a relationship at the time and something like that happens, it's extremely distracting. And that person just pretty much wins the argument because like, what are you going to do now whenever boobs are just shoved into your face? Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Right. So <laughs> I can understand why this is a maneuver she used to be able to tase him and get what she needed. True. That makes sense. So, I'm totally fine with that. Like why he fell for that. The fact that he got in this situation, that's where it's, you know, like I'm living vicariously yeah. through him. He shouldn't have even really been jet skiing with her. If Not at in, all. He shouldn't have been out with those chips. They all should have just stayed at headquarters till the mission was done. Well, there's that. But also, if he's supposed to be in a relationship, I'm just looking at it from the relationship aspect of it at just catching everything else. Yeah. Riding around on a jet ski with a lady who is pretty flirty with you right off the get go when they meet is pretty much setting up a scenario like this anyway. And so saying you're in a relationship and being the better person and trying to step away from this situation you put yourself in, you're just basically like playing chicken with yourself for cheating. Yeah, pretty much. And it's not a not a good thing. It's not a it's not nice. It's not fun. Unless you and your significant <laughs> other have some type of a open relationship type deal, but of course, then then that's a whole other thing. But what I'm getting at is that's that's yeah, that's on them. What I'm getting at is specifically in this scenario, he set himself up to be in this place with this woman who he went jet skiing with, who very clearly was making eyes and was flirty flirty with him before they did this. He was playing cheater's chicken with himself. That is very true. Um, so after all this, we go back to the boss man of the good guys, and he wants someone from South Africa on the phone immediately. Well, all of a sudden, we cut to Widow and two of the bad guys, Puss, and then the guy who kind of is that, that guy who we've always seen. So, from from everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been in some of these movies already. Uh, they uh, infiltrate headquarters. Um, the uh, the uh, guy who's the martial artist, he is uh, set to spy on the big agent dude who's working out. And then Widow knocks out the boss and ties him up and puts a collar on him. So this is her, obviously her thing. This is something that she definitely likes to do is to tie up her prey, for lack of a better word. Well, she's going to be a widow. There's supposed to be a web involved, and that translates very well to light bondage, which she's using like these black cords and tied to various bondage gear. The other guy volunteered for it because that's what he's into because he's a kinky, weird German dude. No, he was French. Whatever. Same Same thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) Kinky, weird European dude. How about that? Way to go, America. You're really fucking it up for everybody, aren't you? <laughs> in more ways than one. But Yeah, right. Uh, so, like, he was into it, and that was his thing. And then this guy basically gets knocked out and then comes to coming to. Yeah. And then she proceeds to dance for him and gives him a nice little lap dance, for less of a better word, lack of a better word, and rips up his shirt. And then she shoots him and kills him. I liked this performance quite a bit. This is also where she has the G-string that she's wearing. And this one is like chains on the side of it, like leather thong with a very small, like like we were talking about that floss <laughs> string that like, yeah. like looks kind of scary. I'd hope it was breakaway if uh, anything ever happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it would injure part of you otherwise. 
Um, <laughs> but like uh, she's wearing that that chain bra top thing again with her breasts out and this chain mail thong thing, which reminds me similar to what she was wearing in the last movie. And again, I don't know if these are outfits that they bought for her to wear for the movies or if this is her own personal gear. But either way, I'm into it. <laughs> either way. You're all right. I'm, I'm, so, um, I'm like really into it. Yes. And anyway, uh, so then, yeah, she's, uh, so now the boss man's dead. Then the other bad guy grabs, um, the puss comes in, he grabs the uh, bug from the office. Uh, then the other bad guy jumps the big agent, I think his name was Tom, working out, but Tom is able to overpower him, and then they fight, and he's able to better him at first, but when trying to question him, allows the other guy to get the uh, uh, advantage, and then, so then they're going back and forth, fighting one another, and then, as soon as it looks like Tom is again able to get control, he goes to check on the guys, it looks like he's, you know, he's knocked out, He's not, and then he's able to get control. He breaks the agent's neck and then takes the necklace completely. Like, doesn't switch anything out, just takes the necklace. Yeah, they're not so fucking now around two anymore. Agents, yeah, two agents dead, man. That's, uh, wow. I mean, you know, that's not something you see a lot. That martial arts fight was actually pretty well choreographed and well executed. The guy that, that was battling with him was really good. Yeah, it was really good. I thought that was an excellent fight scene. And that guy's from, we've seen him in a, in, in a lot of things. Well, the, so. ba- the bad guy is, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, the yeah. thing you would remember him the most for, he was one of the one of the bad guys in uh, Big Trouble in Little China from the yeah. the red sashed crew. Yes. Um, I believe he was the one that had like the, the half sword looking weapons for a good portion of the day. I thought he had the place. cleavers. Mm, that was the uh, no. other guy. That was Al yeah. Leong who has more yes. hair than this guy that's right that's right you're right this dude might have been the one with the six shooters now that i'm thinking about (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i I get a lot of those weaponry confused because there's a lot of flashing in that but i know he was in that we've seen him in a bunch of other movies as well including the sedaris films and he and uh, al leon were working together in a couple of them i believe they were in savage beach together i believe Um, so but the the martial arts that he does is actually quite excellent. He knows what he's doing. And the other guy must have trained with him or also was already trained and knew what to do. And this choreography for it was pretty well executed. I mean, we're talking like for a 90s action martial arts movie, but this was surprisingly good for a Sedaris-backed flick. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was really good. And the way that um, he kills him, like where he fucking is punching him and then like he like breaks portions of his body. And then when the guy's still fighting, he then just fucking flat out murders him by snapping his neck in a really yeah. gruesome looking way. I mean, they do a really good job with it but without actually having the effects of like broken bones or the sounds of it. They still sell it well. And I was pretty impressed. Yeah, me too. Well, then we cut to Sam being dropped off and she is then knocked out by widow and taken by their crew. Um, we then see Mark wakes up and he's able to find Chris. Uh, they both know they have their chips as they think they do. Uh, and then he, re- Chris realizes that Cobra took his Corvette. So he's not very happy right now. <laughs> yeah. She drugged him and stole his car. Yes, pretty much. That is a fact. But she was um, stranded there otherwise. So. And, then, and then Mark said a good line. He goes, this hot chick showed me her hooters. And then all of a sudden I'm knocked out. <laughs> it's like, 
All right. Well, then maybe you guys should think about things a little bit about how you've been living your lives. Well, doesn't Chris's character actually say no more? No No more more one night stands or no more anonymous sex or something like that. Yeah. 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 It was like a one night stand or something like that. But they laugh because they both know they're not going to live by that. (laughs) They also both laugh because they're like, we were lucky that we got as far as we did. (laughs) We're we're lucky that, uh, you know, our white privilege carried us to this. Thank you, white privilege. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just that they were good-looking dudes at their privilege to be able to get laid. Yeah, well, that too. That 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 very well could be too. So then they decide they're going to go check the crime uh, where the shooting was at the airport. They see there's no bullet holes in the building, and then they find the shells and can determine that they fired blanks. Um, that is when Chris calls in to check with the boss and finds out that he is dead with the other agent as well. Uh, so they go in there, uh, and they find out how the boss was killed just like the scientists in France. Um, they, uh, and then the other agent, they find that his necklace is completely gone and that his neck was broken. They go to check that agent stuff, like his stuff in his locker, and uh, searching the clothes, they find matches from the bar Cowboys. They also find Tom's radio transceiver, which they can track Sam with it. Uh, we uh, then are back to more topless tryouts at Cowboys, and the agents get there to question the lady, and uh, the lady kind of running it right now, and that is our next clip. Agents Chris Cannon, Mark Austin. You guys looking for some girls? Look, lady, we're not here to play games. Just tell us about the people that run this place. I'm only the choreographer and the night hostess. The new management is tough and distant. The owner goes by the name of Black Widow. She has a big house out on Cross Lake, and I overheard them talking last night, saying they were going out there today to meet some girl named Samantha or something like that. Keep this visit to yourself, lady. I never saw you guys. (laughs) So we get to uh, Cobra and Scorpion are playing with a remote controlled boat and the rest of the bad guys then finally get there. Um, Nick and Mark are loading up uh, their own boat and trying to track Sam. Uh, Then the bad guys get to the HQ building and as they bring in Sam, we see Morales is there. He gets all the chips from everyone, and as he's going through loading them, he realizes the chip Cobra provided does not work. We see the guys, then a lot of cut twos in these scenes. The guys are showing up on their boat. Well, Morales kind of explains the entire plan, and that is our next clip. The Frenchman, Jean-Pierre, lies dead after he's tasted the poison of our beautiful Black Widow. Ah, this tape shows the sting of our scorpion. Son he won joins his ancestors. This tape, my dear Cobra, was taken from the passenger side of the Jeep you demolished in South Africa. Notice, Mr. Vandermeer throws himself to the ground and crawls to the brush nearby prior to the explosion. Did you think Black Widow's agents would not monitor these important assassinations? And for the coup de grace, my dear ladies. Puss! A bug. Planted in your superior's room, Nicholas Lang. I designed it. It's undetectable. I knew Chris Cannon had been given the chip I sent to the I-War office. That's why Black Widow assigned you to him. 
You exchange it for a fake and brought another fake to me. Not to worry. I cloned my chip in Argentina before I sent the original to the iWar office. The Dallas connection is complete. I will have the power to control the output photos from the satellite. It will be worth billions to me. <laughs> this was the gun Puss used at the airport. That's right, sweetheart. I detest violence. I don't. That's good, because I'm afraid there will be more. Here's the tracking device. Came called from the nightclub. Your two other agent friends are on their way. They too have a similar device. No doubt they'll be able to pinpoint the location of our campsite. Beautiful Samantha, come with me to Argentina and live the good life. Or die here with the others. I'd rather die. <laughs> I'd rather die. That's heroic. <laughs> you hear that line delivery that she gives there that's very much reminiscent of Linnea Quigley that I was telling you about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather die. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, the guys get there and Puss heads out and shoots at them and Chris blows Puss away. Um, so Widow, uh, Widow and Morales are going to leave together. She tells the men that after they kill the two guys to rape and then kill the women. And she says, cause that's what I would do is what she says. It's like, really? Is that really what you would do? Okay. This scene right here where she delivers that line, and from this point on in the movie, I had caught this on late night cable. All right. Or somehow had been had seen it, but like this entire action sequence, everything that happens from that line that she says that on, from here on out, I had I had seen somewhere at some point in time. And this was one of the ones that I knew I had seen before, or at least this portion of it, because that is such a memorable line that is indelibly burned into my brain of Julie Strain saying that line. Yeah. I was like, holy fuck, that's evil. <laughs> right? I was like, Jesus, all right. Calm down, Julie. Jesus Christ. Let's <laughs> all just, just settle down here. We can talk. <laughs> well, Black Widow is very venomous for everything that's happened. Yes. Um, so then we get lots of chasing around. Um, Mark actually jumps Scorpion and shoots her in the arm. Then he banjers her up and apologizes for shooting her. Yeah. They have this weird turnover where it turns out she's decided she wants to turn over a new leaf or something. I, it, they didn't, it's just shortcut and I have no idea. Like, I guess her rubbing her boobs in his face, they fell in love. I don't, yeah. Or something. She, she fell in love with him. Something. I, I don't know what's going on, but. <laughs> it, it, that was that was all just weird she was um, she was engrossed by the fact that a man was able to turn her down so she was like just wanting to stay with him i guess i don't know something like that must be um then we see a guy who has sam hostage gets in a shootout with mark as well and he says let's handle this like men or something like that and they actually fight fisticuffs um and then after winning the fight the bad guy looks like he's going to stab mark uh mark wins the fight and it looks like the bad guy's gonna bring on a knife and stab mark but scorpion shoots him dead so then chris chases the other guy 
uh, he's chasing him around, and Cobra wakes up, and she uh, arms up. She gets the gun and un, you know puts in live bullets. Um, she meets up with Sam and grabs the remote control boat and gives the gun to Sam. Uh, Sam, they get pinned down, uh, and she wants to take out Morales, and she says, uh, no, Cobra says, no, we got to get to the water first. Chris then kills the guy from Big Trouble Little China with a grenade launcher after running out of ammo. The guy, like... Like comes out and so Chris just blows him up. <laughs> I love how our heroes heroically blow up unarmed people. I know, right? It's just well, he was armed. The other guy was armed. It's just Chris ran out of bullets. <laughs> um, Sam is uh, uh, Sam is, gets uh, they get to the water and they see him getting ready to take off. And Sam actually shoots Morales. Uh, and as um, uh, as Widow is trying to take off, Cobra uh, uses the remote control boat and she gets it over there and blows up the boat. And then conveniently, the bag of chips just falls right into their laps. Because, I mean, why wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, it's a Sedaris film, man. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's let's have fun. But it's still that 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 did happen. <laughs> I think the one guy that was like with the guns and everything, whenever he was ready to throw his gun down and so let's settle this like men. Yeah, um, I would have let I would have thrown my gun down, let him throw his gun down, and when he started charging for me, I would have rolled backwards, grabbed my gun, and shot him in cold blood. That would have been a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck it. Old's fair and love and war, am I right? <laughs> or the, the Indiana Jones thing where the guy's like th- doing all these weird fancy stuff with the sword and he's like, fuck this. He just pulls out the yeah. gun and shoots him. That was just a, that was great. Yeah, I love that scene. That's so awesome. So then as they pick up the chips, Gro- uh, Cobra gives the lowdown of her side of things to uh, Sam in our final clip. So how did you manage to explode the car in South Africa and not kill Vandermeer? I contacted Vandermeer the day before, gave him a two-way radio. We had to make it look good. We made sure he made contact with Hans. He suspected that bastard all along. Have a nice trip, Mr. Vandermeer. Thank you, Hans. I informed Vandermeer by radio that the explosion would happen at the gate. Vandermeer, this is Cobra. Let me know when you're approaching the gate. I hear you loud and clear, Cobra. I'll be at the gate in about 10 seconds. Once he got to the gate, I gave him time to make the switch with the dummy before I set off the charge. We set it up so that Hans would see the explosion from the driver's side and not see Vandermeer escaping. We figured he'd report to Black Widow that Vandermeer had been killed. Later, Vandermeer would have Hans arrested. Who knew that damn Hans was told to videotape the explosion? And just our luck, he taped it from the passenger side. Well, obviously he sent the tape to Black Widow without seeing it, or he would have known of Vandermeer's escape. Exactly. Yeah, I'll pass it on. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Vandermeer and his wife have just landed at the Dallas airport. Now, he'll be able to insert those chips into the iWar computer tomorrow at the optimum time and activate the lacrosse satellite. What happened to Hans and Mr. Wong's golf partner? Now, they've been detained by the police in South Africa and Hong Kong. So that means the Dallas connection will be made after all. Yeah, but at what cost? Right. Nicholas and Tom are dead. The agency lost two damn good men. We'll miss them. When I get this all straightened out, I'm coming back for you because I like your style, cowboy. Check this style, bitch. 
<laughs> so as you can hear, uh, a scorpion hits up Mark and Sam goes to punch her out and she ducks and she punches out Mark instead. Um, at the very end, we find out that the Asian scientist was actually going to go ahead and join Morales anyway. So his death is no big loss. So the only two good guys who died uh, were actually the two agents. Everyone's happy. Everyone's having a good time. Uh, they all cheers. Roll credits. I liked the whole Julie K. Smith character was a secret covert undercover type agent and everything. But I feel like they shoehorned that in at the end just to be able to have her change sides. <laughs> I, get, I get what you mean. Yeah. Like, oh, I think... Uh... You know, or well, I feel like that's fine because you know it's supposed to be a spy game, but the whole scorpion thing was just that that was fucking weird, yeah, and well that that felt shoehorned to me more than cobra, the scorpion thing felt way shoehorned to me, well, I think what um they should have probably done is had it to where they were talking more or they were having some kind of a conversation before they get after it, and she somehow opens up to him and like they connect in some way, shape or form that she really likes him on a different level. And so she's reluctantly going into the sex before killing him thing, like, or, you know, getting the chip or whatever it is that she's supposed to do. But the fact that they don't kill the agents, I feel like they were trying to set up that maybe they were both agents and then they just decided to make Scorpion just switch over and do her time or, or yeah. whatever. But like, if she was involved in an international spy ring and murder, I mean, we're talking racketeering charges, make her responsible for all the deaths. So she's yeah, not I mean, getting out Rico. anytime soon. This is weird. Yeah. This is uh this is Rico, man. Everyone knows the Rico case. <laughs> right. So it just it gets a little weird the way that they're trying to do it and it's just very hurried at the end. But the thing that I really loved is the bulk of the movie for this episode is essentially this infiltration and execution of the scientists into this this world to try and take over this satellite and the bad guys are 2 to 3 steps or so we think for most of the film, 2 to 3 steps ahead, but what the lethal agents are apparently doing is playing like this shadow game where they have an agent on the inside. So they know what's going on. They know what's going to happen. They're able to stop it and intercept it, but it's somewhat on a need to know basis. And did you get the feeling that Samantha knew about the other agent the entire time? Or you know, I get the feeling that Cobra isn't part of the agents. Well, they're part of the British agency. She was the European division as well. Yeah, the said. European division. So like, uh, I, yeah, I think maybe Sam knew her, but at the same time, yeah, it must be a need to know basis, but well, they, they had already sniffed her out. So yeah, I wasn't going to save. I'm sure the boss knew about her as well, but you know, he wasn't going to tell anybody what was happening yet. So, right. And the reason that I'm getting at this is because she drugs the guy, but doesn't kill him. Whereas Scorpion should have made an attempt to kill the other guy. Maybe he wasn't supposed to kill. Remember, they're supposed to swap out the chips. So they thought they still had him. Yeah. You kill him. And then maybe people start asking questions. Right. It's okay. But the whole thing that they're doing and the way that they're setting it up, like they needed to either make both Scorpion and Cobra be double agents or yeah. Scorpion needed to not do the face turn at the end. Yeah, I I totally agree. It had to be Scorpion should have stayed evil. Um, That's just me. Or if she does a face turn, it should have been whenever she found out what they're working on with the satellite and how like dangerous it actually was going to be and how horrible it is. 
you know, and she's but like, she's already a murderer. Right. So I just don't, I, you know, nothing's going to make that feel bad. So it should have just, I don't know. It, I, that's why I'm like, that one to me felt way too pushed just to me. Well, uh, <laughs> the, the whole thing is like, wait, you're going to do what with the satellite system? You can't yeah. destroy the earth. That's where I keep my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that's okay. There you go. That'd be fine. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, you if you just destroy just... the earth, that means me too. Yeah, that's where I keep everything. Right. So, like, well, I, I could. It's like get... Guardians of the Galaxy. Why do you want a Guardian of the Galaxy? So, why do you want to save the galaxy so bad? Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it. Right. Like, I, I get what they're kind of. Tr- I, I get if that was what they were trying to do, where, like, you know, whatever this satellite thing was going to be so evil that it takes this hardened killer and turns them around. But they don't do that. It's just this a bunch of shortcuts and this rush to the end confrontation yeah. and everything. Uh, I. <sighs> Samantha Phillips, as far as an actress goes in the film, she definitely can't carry it, which is why I think they shifted the focus to the two gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah. She just does not have those acting chops. Not that, not that the other two guys did either, but you know what I mean? They've been in more of them and we're kind of used to their same type yeah. of delivery. Uh, the stuff where it was just her one-on-one with the Morales guy and they were like flirting back and forth and that 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 was like the best acting she did in the film but like trying to deliver the agency dialogue kind of stuff where she's having the, that type of stuff and even when she's like feigning anger like I'll show you bitch or whatever it is that she says right before she punches at the lady yeah. like even that I was like I don't feel that at all like I don't believe anything in that there's there seems to be no emotion behind that that delivery at all you know yeah agreed agreed it's just kind of I don't know like she didn't really care, you know. <laughs> I, kind of, you know, yeah. In real life, she didn't. Yeah, of course. But still, that's just kind of like, um, you know, maybe you <laughs> gotta act like you care. Um, I was actually, like I said, pleasantly surprised with a lot of the acting that Julie K. Smith did in this. Given the type of movie that it is, obviously, we're not going to be winning any Oscars or anything here. But uh, most of the stuff that, like the dialogue that she had to deliver, the way that she set up being. Uh, you know, this double agent and the evil and everything. Like I bought her character is in the context of the type of movie that we're watching. I bought her character the whole way through it. Yeah. You know, well, I, uh, I particularly liked in this one, they kind of threw you, uh, a swerve by, you know, the bad guys, uh, had killed some agents, which rarely happens in these. I thought the fight scenes were really good. Those are one of the things I really enjoyed was the fight scenes. Yeah, the the parts comparatively are, to the other movies, I thought the fight scenes were better here. Yeah, the whole's not as good as the sum of the parts. You know, like the individual yeah. pieces you can enjoy make this a really good film for you to enjoy and have fun watching. But like the overall watching of the movie, there's a bunch of stuff where your bullshit meter is going to go off for story and everything. But you just kind of have to put that aside and realize you're just watching a fun movie that just is an excuse for sex and tits. You know, and a Pretty little much. bit of action and some surprisingly good fucking fights. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is going to be higher up definitely than Enemy Gold on my list, which we're going to have to make for next week. Yeah. <laughs> like episode 260 is not going to be giant enough as is with doing two movie coverages. I know, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, let's uh, let's pull the chain on this. We'll do a quick news story. All right. For it. We're going to play the Corrupted Youth promo. We'll have a little bit more of that dark synth wave. And when we come back, we will do some sign up news. 
taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle. Maybe if I could start getting a little more efficient at making music, I could start making my own stuff for the show, for all of these bumper segments and everything like that. Not that I'll have a new one every week, but, you know, I could make some stuff, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hey, you're talented. Nah, you do that shit. Yeah, I just I, <laughs> I get too fixated on every tiny little detail of everything, and before long, I just run out of time, and so that's why I know I won't be able to make music every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, every way. I don't. I wouldn't suggest you do that because that would drive a person mad. I meant like you're talented enough to create a song. <laughs> well, yeah, I've done it before. Not yeah. that they're they're all that great or anything, but yes, I. Have I think done they're it. good. Uh, Jesus Christ! I know we like to give each other shit on this show, but I'm just fucking. I mean, you got talent on that. Oh, uh, look at somebody kissing my ass. Now you can give me some songs. from Mr. Robert Ward. That is our man in the field, Robert. Man in the field, Robert Ward. Uh, from the New York Post, coronavirus may be sexually transmitted and cause male infertility, a study says. So get ready, folks. Your um, will probably taste better. Infertile sperm does taste a lot better. How do you know that? I've been told. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I mean, that's a clip, obviously. <laughs> it's a damn good one, too. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Uh, Did he stick so, the needle down his pee hole? That's the only place to harvest so, properly infertile sperm. <laughs> the latest coronavirus threat really hits below the belt. Blood uh, Yeah, that, that too. That too. Uh, so anyway, a new study claims the coronavirus can not only rob you of your taste and smell, but it may leave men infertile and could be transmitted sexually. Drop the humongous ball. I would assume this thing sounds like you can be transmitted anyway. Um, the study, plus if you're having sex with somebody, I mean, you're within six feet of them. <laughs> unless, unless you are a circus freak. He must have an incredibly long penis. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it always comes back to dick. Pretty much. There are asymptomatic carriers who may both not be presenting symptoms, and yeah. one could get it from the other. And the other case is, the, the point that they're making at is, if you catch it, just because you're asymptomatic everywhere else doesn't mean that it's not making a nest in your balls and eating up the proteins and killing your ability to procreate. True. Uh, so the new study claims coronavirus can not only uh, rob you of your taste and smell, but it leave may, may leave men infertile and could be transmitted sexually. The study, published last month in JAMA... Shut up. Monthly, Are you talking about penises? Right now, I am. A monthly open access medical journal published by the American Medical Association found the presence of COVID-19 in 15% of semen samples collected. And we're back to dicks. We really are. Researchers, do, uh, researcher Dr. John Atkin uh, likened it to the Zika virus. It should be emphasized: spermatozoa have a demonstrable capacity to carry viral infections from the male to the female reproductive tract. And there's a lot of as, laying around. As happens during sexually transmission of Zika, for example. He told the local San Antonio Fox 8, Zika virus is a mostly mosquito-borne virus that can also be sexually transmitted. Mostly because I put my penis inside of you bareback. Oh, that was that, good timing. <laughs> that, that, that is perfect timing because that would cause all of that. This horse this, sex is a thing. It really is. The study also found that COVID-19 in human sperm leads to a buildup of angiotensin 2, which is a hormone that regulates kidney function and blood pressure. Increased levels of this hormone cause an immune response against the invading COVID-19 virus particles that increases the availability of reactive oxygen species that causes cell death. Prolonged exposure to elevated antigoistine 2 levels can lead to cell death in sperm. Drop the humongous the, stu ball. the study notes it could ultimately result in the loss of male fertility as well. Blood jizz. And Satan's cock. Yeah, all of that. There you go. So Countdown to bukkake. Be careful there, everyone. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. That too. That too. That can cause it. I'm pretty sure any of all the things you're mentioning right there. It could could cause some problems. Well, if it can live in your bloodstream and start affecting all of these various other parts of your body to the point where you have to have your fingers amputated and shit from what it's done to cause cell death and your fingers basically die off, which we've seen yeah. happen to some people. I'm actually not that surprised that it's also going to go into the one spot where a lot of proteins and testosterone and all those types of pre-life uh, type cells exist with the spermazoa and all that different shit that exists down there. I'm not surprised that it's going to act like Zika and live in your balls. 
<laughs> yeah, right? I mean, well, it's just there now. Well, the type of protein that the first um, known strain that they were finding that uh, that uh, the COVID lives off of and likes to bind to is very prevalent in male testicles. Like, yeah. that's just a thing that that's where it exists and it loves to be there. But, so I'm not shocked that it's going to be living in your sperm and would actually be transmittable that way as well. Is there anything COVID can't do? <laughs> <laughs> Go away? Yeah, fuck, right? Jesus Christ. Fucking, Countdown to Bukaki. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> fucking insanity right now. The after effects of this are going to be with us for a long time, and we're going to be studying it for quite a while because we're still in the midst of really even trying the, to learn all that it does. I'm, I'll say you could find a vaccine cure tomorrow, and we'll still be talking about COVID deaths. We'll still be having deaths related to COVID for the next 10, 15 years. In some way, shape, or form, um, but they will it, all be covered up. Yeah, well, it'll be very much like um, like we still are getting deaths that they are putting on the uh, the death certificate, like deaths caused from the uh, 9-11 tragedy because it's people dying of cancer who are working at that ground zero now. Or And that's still being felt to this day. Or just there and the various uh, particles that were in the air at the time yeah. got all over. Yeah, or yeah, not even working at ground zero, but just around there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. Mask up, folks. Uh, wear a condom and uh, maybe, you know, practice, maybe, d- you know, mutual s- masturbation down. or something. Yeah, slow down on the uh, anonymous sex. Slow down on it. I'm not kink shaming anybody. Not trying to try, try, tell, but just for right now, you know, just tone down that anonymous sex part it's deadly in multiple ways now jesus christ man they're taking the pleasure out of everyday life yeah pretty much that's how it goes man till we figure this part out new condom that'll stop covid and on that very dour note we're going to end the show so here's the ending legion promo if you enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Mean Power Hour, Hello, This Is The Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by The Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
Well, this certainly reminds me of a band that I used to listen to a lot when I was in a very goth phase of my earlier days, which technically hasn't ended, but uh, we won't <laughs> we won't get into that. There's a band called Alien Sex Fiend I used to be really big into, and that really feels like uh, one of their jams. Nice. Yeah, you nice band name too. That's an awesome <laughs> band name. I fucking love that shit. Alien Sex Fiend. <laughs> Alien Sex. I mean, that may be the greatest band name I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> be 100% honest. That might be one of the best band names ever. <laughs> well, if you'd like to find instances where Matt has declared other band names the greatest band name that has ever been, the best place to find that is on legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That's our landing and launching page. You can also join our Facebook group where you can start up your own discussion about the greatest band names of all time. That is Cinema Psyops on the alt-right troll fest. That is Facebook. Yeah. Fuck them. You can also find me on Facebook doing my level best to balance things out, even though things I'm posting are getting marked now as fake news, even though it's a satire site, Facebook. Oh, fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> I Fuck am you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> I am Court Psyops. And on Facebook, he is Matt Psyop, but as we've established, he's not there. He barely even responds to his messages. I'm dead to the world, to be honest. In my soul, I feel it. You can also email your shitty poetry about how you're dead to the world to Matt Psyops, psyopmatt at gmail.com. You can email you. feedback to court, psyopscourt at gmail.com, and let him know that Matt's shitty poetry isn't nearly as bad as he's trying to make it out. Those are my feelings, court. Feelings aren't wrong. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that knows more about feelings than you, which is Twitter. <laughs> Everyone on Twitter knows more than you do. Always remember that. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. You can also join us on the gram of Insta, better known to the kids as the gram or just the Instagram. Gram. The gram where you get all the memes. You can find all sorts of photos of soulless individuals <laughs> just looking to drive you to their OnlyFans page and also some very nice, lovely ladies as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's nice. No, not everyone, but a lot of people can be. On the gram Maybe. of Insta, I am cinema underscore psyops where I'm posting our repurposed memes for our people. Yes, the memes are all of ours. They belong to us. At least that's the excuse I'm making whenever I steal them, like Robin Hood and you're shit. You're not stealing, you're repurposing. Jesus Christ, you capitalist pig dog. <laughs> Yet I'm the one that's repurposing the memes, so how does that work? But, 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 but you just said stealing, so now you're a capitalist pig dog. You need to let go of your capitalist pig dog ways, comrade. <laughs> well, comrades, if you're out there trying to get others to let go of their capitalist pig dog ways, kick the fuck out of society and this week and make it your bitch.
What's up? Not much. How you doing? I'm all right. Oh, that explains why it's... There we go. That's better. I'm like, why the fuck is everything so distorted? <laughs> I forgot I stopped recording and we were still kind of chatting about stuff and I had to switch over to that aux input that's like loud as fuck, so... Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, brother. I don't know if I'm going to have time to actually get this fucking music done or not. Fuck. <laughs> well, I always end up just like making, like cutting corners and just doing something to get it done in time because it's always crunch time whenever it's time to do it. And it's just, I don't know. I spend way too much time at the start trying to get these little itty bitty details right. And then I get those done and then everything else I just have to cut corners on. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way my that. That, that's the way my songwriting has kind of always been whenever I'm on a deadline though. Yeah. That's just the way it's probably always gonna be. Um then we cut to uh Cobra and Chris kinda, you know, they're flirting in the hot tub. <laughs> and then uh uh we you alright over there? Yeah, I'm fine. He's got it! No just <laughs> I made that joke with my wife and she's like, let's not put that out into the universe and everything got dire and sad. <laughs> well, you, you can put it out there with me. <laughs> well, no, I took a drink from my uh, my fizzy water and it went down the wrong pipe. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that shit. All right, back to um, what we're doing. Yeah, okay. The other actresses, I have to admit, whenever they actually do are doing their sex scenes as well, also really sell it, which is once again back to the real reason this film got made. <laughs> the sex scenes. Yes, of course. I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Trying to be Picasso? Well, just Picasso trigger. <laughs> I wondered if you'd get it. Uh, so let's see here. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, oh okay. Um, Okay, so then, Go of your capitalist pig dog ways, comrade. <laughs> well, comrades, if you're out there trying to get others to let go of their capitalist pig dog ways, kick the fuck out of society and this week and make it your bitch. I had nothing with what you were giving no, me there. No. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know where to go. We're fucking talking about communism at the end. What are we what are we supposed to do at this point? <laughs> Just stop the recording.